Hey everyone, I'm Kari. Hello everyone, I'm Anne-Marie. And this is CSA Talk. Before we begin, this is a safe space for you. This is a safe space for everyone, okay? So, whenever we're gonna come here, just to listen to two girls talking about their favorite science show, you know, we got you today. We're talking about episode 17 of season two of CSI Crime Scene Investigation, Thelonious Monk. So, this is a very early episode, okay? So, some things happened in that episode. Some terms happen, some terms are spoken on this episode that it wouldn't, this terms wouldn't be said today and the things that happen on that episode probably wouldn't happen if this episode were to be shot today. Well, we've got two cases on this episode, okay? We've got Chris Dick and Sarah dealing with the deaths of four booted smokes. And I gotta say, Nick is not so great in the beginning. Yeah. It's not really that great in the beginning. I mean, last week I did say that I loved him, but in the beginning he was not really that much of a great character. And on the other case, we have Catherine investigating the death of her old friend and Warwick finds Warwick helps her in the case as well. If she finds out some things about her old mentor. We're going to do the same thing that we did last week, which is separate both cases. So we're going to first talk about the case with the case of Prism, Nick, Sarah. And also in the case is Detective O'Reilly. Do you guys remember him? Well, he was featured on a lot of cases on the beginning of the series. Yep. So, four Buddhist monks, they are shot to death while they are praying in their temples. And they're all shot close range. They roll out robbery because there is gold statues and a money tree as well, but they all are left there untouched. So, Grissom is like, well, maybe we're looking for a hit murderer. Somebody hires someone to kill these guys, right? So, they really find out this side 
on the wall belonging to a gang called Snake Bats. And Nick actually wonders why none of the monks fought back against the person who wasn't killing them. Look, I don't know a lot about Buddhist religion. I mean, if you're a part of this religion, you know a lot better than I do. But I believe one of the principles of the religion is nonviolence. So that would kind of explain why they didn't fight back. Right. Also, I watched a show recently that one of the principles that they actually, the show really highlights is being nonviolence. So, I mean, one of the principles of the feature, this creature's lives that they highlight is the nonviolence. They find this a lot. And also, I remember when I first watched this episode, they have to remove their shoes when they walk into the temple because of the rule. They have to remove their shoes. And Nick doesn't immediately get it. So he starts to do his job. And Sarah has to call him out on it. Like, dude, take off your shoes. This is literally holy ground for them. These people are dead, but you still got to respect them. And while Grissom was searching the perimeter, he found this courage rifle. And... Meanwhile, Detective O'Reilly, he is questioning another monk. The Ananda, the monk says that he was making a deposit when the shootings happened. And Grissom's like, well, if the temple is in the area, a lot of high crimes happened. And the temple probably has a lot of break-ins and robberies. And then there's like, well, what's in the past is in the past. Okay, I get it. What's in the past is in the past. But four of your monks were killed and your temple, the least you can do is tell the authorities if someone is told from you because one of the things that the CSIs found out is that there is no door in the temple so anyone can walk in and walk out. One of the things that they find out through the part-time cook is that there is always gang signs spray-painted on the walls. But the monks 
never file a police report. Sarah managed to list up group footprints from the prayer room, even though shoes are not supposed to be worn inside the temple. Do you hear that, Nick? Shoes are not supposed to be worn inside the temple? Sorry, Nick fan. We're not a big Nick fan in this episode. Well, I mean, he he's kind of... He he behaves in a very stupid way on this particular episode. Close-minded way. Yeah. And Sarah, she also finds bullet cases under the prayer area. And also, wool material on the statue. And chewing gun on another. Meanwhile, Nick found a porn magazine on the drawer inside of Banana's office, which is kind of odd because Buddhism actually does encourage seeking pleasure. And when they meet up again, Sarah says that all the evidence that they found it's pointing towards the shooter being someone from the outside. And Nick doesn't know why someone would shoot four people and leave the murder weapon in plain sight. Yeah, that's what you're being paid to find out. That's literally your job. In autopsy, Doc Robbins tells Grissom that where all of the victims were <laughs> shot actually corresponds to the sixth chakra in Buddhism. And the chakras are actually, it's kind of like there are seven energy points in your body. Each one of them has a color and an energy. And the sixth chakra is equivalent to the third eye. And kind of like a higher conscious. And if this is a threat for some Maybe thinks that the killer could be a Buddhist themselves. The ballistics confirms that the rifle that they found is actually the murder weapon because the bullet matches the one of the bullet pulls from the victims. Oh, has Ananda's fingerprints on it. And when Ananda is brought in for questioning, he says that he found the rifle on his office and placed it outside because his faith doesn't allow the weapons in the temple. I just want to highlight that this would not be the only time that we would see of time happening inside a place of worship on CSI. This is the first time that we see inside a Buddhist temple, but then we would see again in the future episodes. 
So yeah, this is not the first time that we see crime happening inside a place of worship. And and then that also says that the porn magazine was left in a temple by a visitor, and he kept it in case the visitor came back. And Nick is not buying it, but and then this says that monks do abstain from erotic behavior because it can distract them from the path of enlightenment, which is true. Yeah. So. When they decide to look for more fingerprints on the rifle, it does kill from then and then the never really touch the trigger on the gun. The locations of the prints are matched to his stories. He actually only carried the gun outside. Nick actually thinks that the gang carrying outside is a false lead. It is meant to throw the investigation off. And because the the gang sound that they found actually belonged to a gang that had been already taken down by the LV department a while ago. So what did it mean, right? So David Phillips he had family uh, on Air Force, and it's through him that Grissom is able to contact the Air Force base. Because apparently since 9-11, they keep satellite surveillance of other buildings. Photos taken from the sky shows... A truck shows a truck with a plate that says Prodos outside of the temple close to the time of the murders. And the card is registered is registers to Peter Hutchins Senior. A local designer owner and he was actually really unhappy with the monk because the temple was closed to his business and he was blaming them because his business because he didn't have enough customers and sarah actually found a set of prayer beads when she was looking in the car that obviously did not belong to him. Right. Mm -hmm. So at the lab, they found out that this guy actually had an alibi for the murders and he left his truck behind. And then they decide to look into his son, who is also named Peter. And Greg, Greg is a lot tech at this time because it's season two. He examines the blue substance that Sarah found on the statues, and he says that it's actually paintball paint. And Grissom, Nick, and Sarah, they visit the paintball field where Peter's playing, and Sarah is able to compare a shoe print 
by his boot to the boyfriend that she found at the scene. It's actually familiar. Right, so that puts him in the scene. So he's brought in for questioning along with his father. And he denies ever being at the temple when he's confronted with the evidence. He says that he brought some friends to look into the rumors that there was money and drugs inside. But Russell said that the way that that evidence worked is that they could only lift the footprint if the person has stepped in pretty recently. Which means that she had to be there on the night of the murder. So he does says that he took a friend there to the ghost statue to the temple the week before. And this friend had apparently taken the ghost statue and then he brought it back to return it. And he took off his boots. And he didn't call the police because he thought he was going to be a suspect. I'm not calling or saying anything. He made him be a suspect. Yeah. And Grissom was like, well, that's weird. How did you know you had to remove your boots when you got into the temple? You know, because not most teenagers would know wouldn't know they had to do this. And then he admits that he was actually interested in within in their religions. And he actually was considering the most his friends. Mm -hmm. And so back in the lab Greg is examining the chewing gun that was found on the statues and he found traces of curry and chaffron in it which ties the cook to it and Grissom actually consults with Nanda and presents the lab's findings to him. The spices found in the gun suggests that someone ate them and then chew the gum. Then Ananda shows Grissom the kitchen in the coating that uses curry and chipotle. So the Detective O'Reilly shows them new evidence. Even though the month raised $13,000 for the charity project, Ananda actually only deposited 12000 when he was at the bank. The account was opened on the same day as the murder, so that is actually suspicious. Very, very suspicious. And kept the money in the box in his office. So Grissom goes through the box, and he actually found, finds Curry inside the box. I think we all know where this is going. And so... I gotta say, I love the smell of curry. 
Yeah, I do. I do too. Now the cook is the suspect, right? Mm-hmm. Um. So, Ananda was actually very suspicious of the su- mm-hmm. of the cook. And who had stolen Alice one K from the charity crown. And that is why Ananda opened a bank account to keep the money safe. When the cook is brought in for questioning, he confesses to the murder. And Grissom confirms that the DNA they found on the chewing gum belonged to him. He tells Grissom that he thought Ananda was going to report him. So he went home, grabbed his rifle, and then he came back. When there when he came back to the temple and he found out that Ananda he found out the Ananda was gone. He saw the Ananda had gone to the police. So he freaked out and decided to kill the monks one by one. And then Grissom, he was like, well, did you know that you shot them in the sixth check? And then he's like, Oh, I only shot them between the eyes. Yep. Well, at least somebody got a happy ending. The kid, Beach Hutchinson's. Yeah, so he is actually meditating with Amanda. So I, I like to believe that that kid turns out to be turns out to be a monk later. Granted, his dad would not be happy. Well, I mean, that's his dad's problem. Well, so on the second case, that's actually a cold case that Catherine's reopens. So on this case, we have Catherine and Ward. Well, Catherine is meeting up with Jeannie Tadero, was her old mentor at a bar. So she's talking to him about Dwight Kelso, who was convicted of killing her best friend, Stephanie Watson. During her dancer days, or as CSI puts it, exotic dancer. However, he gave an interview, this guy, you know, Dwight Kessel, he gave an interview from his prison hospital, and he confessed to killing a man in Reno, but he said that he never killed Stephanie. Even though he was seen harassing her at a bar on the night that she died. There was a cut on his hands and he was arrested a block away from the murder site. Catherine still thinks that the math is not adding up. She's like, the math ain't mathing to Catherine. No, because even though she was mentored by detectives, she eventually became a detective. Warwick teams up with her and signs out the case evidence because the case evidence was going to be destroyed. This actually does happen after a certain time in the case. Is it either solved or unsolved? The uh, only had solved. Only solved cases, yeah. When after a while, solved cases, the evidence of the case is destroyed. She signs out the evidence and she re-examines in the lab because it has been a while 
And at that time, the technology had advanced enough for her to look at the evidence with a new look. Stephanie's blood is found on the murder weapon, a bloody knife. And Dwight's blood is found on the knife's handle. And Catherine and Greg, they both examined the knife closely. And they actually pot of blood that wasn't examined at the time of the murder. So Catherine is like, well, maybe this was ignored because they couldn't get a DNA sample because it was a small amount. But now the lab is capable of replicating the DNA a million times, even though the sample is really small. So when the test results come back, that spot is actually unidentified male that is not Dwight or Stephanie. Eckley is a bit angry that the evidence was signed out without his knowledge. Which but... is understandable. Yeah. But when Catherine tells him that she finds out a new evidence or the old evidence, he's like, Oh, great. Keep up with the good work. Yeah. Yeah, he repents, basically. Yeah. So, Warwick goes over the crime scene photos and he noticed that a glove that belonged to Dwight and was found in the scene isn't in the single crime scene photo or sketch. But it's in an evidence bag. So, Warwick's like, well, the math is not mapping either. So, what? Like, what is going on? Catherine's like, oh, this is suspicious. This is weird. And she actually turns out that this glove was logged in by Jimmy two days after the murder. That is weird because sometimes CSIs go back to the scene. They go back to the police to find more evidence, not cops. Because CSIs are the ones that actually have the knowledge to go to those scenes, not them. And even if it was like two days later, enough time had passed for the evidence to not be there anymore. So... Catherine, she decides to take Jimmy to the crime scene to go over the event again. And she shows her the dumpster by which the glove was found. And he claimed that the arrestee officer did not see the glove because it was too dark. And he was busy grabbing Dwight. And Jimmy's actually really offended because Catherine asked whether he tempered with the evidence to make things fit. And he be and he says you would dare he would ride away from playing tricks. And mm -hmm. boy that happened. I was gonna say it makes Captain very angry. That does not leak that does not really take the extent, but anyway. Back at the lab, Warwick 
he runs more tests on the night and he found the remains of saliva in the blood and on the gloves and the knife and the saliva belonged to Dwight. Catherine is already suspecting the blood at the crime scene is from a mouth injury and it was transferred from the glove onto the knife. So that actually means that whoever was wearing the glove punched Dwight in the face. And then she decides to comfort Jamie, who says that Dwight was bragging about stabbing Stephanie. But Catherine says that criminals actually brag about things that they didn't do, which is true. Dwight really did have a history of roughing up girls and a knife cut up on his hand. But the DA had released him. And Jamie does says that he, quote-unquote, helped the evidence alone. And Catherine brings up the fact that Jimmy was in love with Stephanie and proposed to her, but she turns him down and was murdered less than a week later. Catherine was actually saying that Jimmy had killed Stephanie and blamed on Dwight. Yep. So... Jimmy actually refuses to give a blood sample without warrant. When the DNA test comes back, Jimmy is brought in for questioning. And the test proves that the blood on the knife is not his. And it's not a match to anyone connected to the case or anyone on Cody's. But he is guilty. Jimmy is guilty to put a man away for life because he planted evidence and he's actually really mad when he finds out that Catherine will make sure that he's going to be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. But she's also going to stand by his side so Paul help him get reputation. And he says that Catherine is ungrateful and he says some pretty mean stuff. Right. He, yeah. Basically, we're not going to say what he said, but he basically says that she, she would have to start selling herself because if it wasn't for him, she would have never, she would never have make it to the lab. And she said that she made it all the way to the lab because he got the brains to do it. So he he was sexist towards her. As unfortunately, many men still do towards women today. And the case, however, the case and the CSI is still unsolved. People don't know who killed Stephanie. I like to think that maybe Jimmy hired someone to kill her and then blame it on Dwight because Stephanie wouldn't want to marry him. But by the way he behaved, 
I'm pretty sure Stephanie would not have been safe with him. And the way he behaved around Catherine. Well, guys, next week, we're actually breaking down the brand new episode of CSI Vegas. It's called Dead Memories. Gene is coming back. Do you guys remember him? He's the made Ellie the doll. The guy who plays, he's very creepy. And also who was in the TV show that us, us 2000 kids know from Disney Channel. That love the future. Yeah, the plot of the episode is when wrongly accused former suspect Gene Farrow enters the crime lab covered in blood, wielding a cleaver and looking for Ellie Rajon. The CSI team investigates his peculiar story about a macabre party with a fatal ending. So this episode actually sounds really great. I think it might be one of my favorite episodes of CSI. It does sound really great. So, guys. I really can't wait for next week's episode. Me too. Thank you guys so much for listening. We love you guys so, so much. Let's see you guys next week. Bye. Yep. Love ya. Go.